Leonardo! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man of the really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Hello! It is Brock and Salk here on Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. The old Seattle Sports app, podcast platforms, wherever you can find us. We appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks for being with us today. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful Thursday. We've got guests today. We've got fun to be had today. Uh, Robbie Ray is going to join us today. Kind of excited about that. I, uh, I've heard, heard, now I don't want to reveal any sources here. I've heard that Robbie Ray is a candidate for Best Shape of His Life Ooh. Award. Just what I've heard. Just that he <laughs> might be the guy that, as of right now, would be the winner in the Who's in the Best Shape of His Life Award if there was a race. Robbie might be the guy. Now, not everybody's reported, so certainly other people may come in and steal that honor from him, but I'm told, anyway that Robbie may be one of those guys. So we're looking forward to talking to him at 7.30. Jerry DePoto will join us at 8.30 this morning. So uh, obviously a lot of baseball to talk today. Um, And then this uh, big news story yesterday that, you know, on its surface might not look huge at all. And there's a chance it means nothing. Like, let me be the first to tell you. I don't want to be hot take guy this morning. The story might be completely irrelevant. Or... It might be the biggest, like the beginning of the biggest story of this Seahawks offseason. So their uh, quarterback coach, his name is Dave Canales. Not a name that I'm particularly familiar with, but he's been with Pete Carroll like forever. And he's filled all these different roles on the Seahawks and, and done all these different things in the coaching staff. In fact, I think he's the longest tenured head co- or coach here. And so he's been the quarterback coach for the last few years, and he's obviously worked incredibly closely with Geno Smith during that time. And I don't know exactly how much credit he gets or deserves for Geno's incredible comeback season, but I would imagine a significant amount given that that's his position coach. So, all right. He did some interviews this offseason. He interviewed with the Ravens a couple of times, didn't get the gig. And then yesterday uh, we got the reports that he is heading to Tampa Bay to be their offensive coordinator. Might mean nothing. M- might be a non-story. They replace him with a new quarterbacks coach. They've got somebody in the building. Bang, you just move on. And we never talk about this again. Or it's also possible that he and Gino have a fantastic relationship in a league that is built on relationships. What does Brock always say? Your advocates. Maybe he's now a Geno Smith advocate. And when he goes off to Tampa, he says, hey, you know who I want to bring with me? The guy who was an unbelievably accurate passer for me last year and had a whole lot of success in my quarterback room. Maybe, since we have a tremendous amount of cap space, a pretty decent roster, and Tom Brady is moving on, we have a good opportunity to talk to Geno Smith, who's from where? Florida. Now, as I said, might mean nothing. Might be a non-story. We don't generally talk a whole lot about quarterback coaches or other position coaches when they move on. We don't always even know their names. So I don't want to pretend like this is the end of the Geno Smith era here in Seattle. Yesterday, when I even asked the question, I was called a fear monger. I'm not trying to be a fear monger. 
I don't know what's going to happen. Well, we did hear from Pete Carroll earlier this offseason. He talked a lot, right, about Gino riding this line of kind of mm-hmm. having a, a lot of an edge, but they didn't want it to get too fiery. You saw him and Ken Walker kind of get into it on oh, the yeah. sidelines at one point. This was right after that. And he did credit Canales and Waldron, I have the sound here, for kind of being a big part of working with him on that. Dave Canales is doing a great a great job of coaching him so that we can keep him at that edge. We had a, a whole weekend, a whole week basically talking about, you know, uh, uncovering what that edge is and, and what's it all about and how do you get there? How do you hold it? And, and what's it like to operate w- with that? You know, you're on the brink of it all the time. And, and uh, Gino's one of those guys, he's willing to go there and, and love it about him. And he needs us. And he knows that we get, remind him and, and he's great about it. He comes right back to, there was some, you know, some John on the sidelines. Those guys were, that's because they wanted to get it right. And, and so they were trying to figure it out. And we don't always say things the right way, you know, <laughs> when we're in those moments. And so sometimes it gets a little heated and frustrated. Well, ain't nothing wrong with that. Funny. I remember the last part of that. Uh, I hadn't remembered the first part talking about Dave Canales. I remember that we don't always say things the right way. Cause it kind of led to a conversation about, uh, like almost management techniques for working out disagreements. Mm-hmm. Pete was like, yeah, we don't do any of that. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> but the the first part is interesting. I didn't remember that. So look, this, again, might be nothing. But it might be that they have formed a bond last year. Gino trusts them. Gino feels good about them. They have an emotional connection. They understand how to work with each other, et cetera. And if the Seahawks don't offer the supposed $40 million that Gino might want, maybe Tampa will come close. Yeah. If you go to Dave Canales' Twitter page, it kind of looks like he's like a proud papa. Mm. It's all Gino Smith content. It's all like retweeting all the stats that everyone posts from all the different websites of how great of a year he had. It's all congratulating him on Which makes things. sense, right? I mean, he probably is yeah. like a proud papa. He, that's his guy. I mean, he's in the quarterback room. Now, it's also possible this goes in the other direction. Maybe, maybe he takes the job here in Tampa and says, hey, you know who we could get on the cheap? who might be a great fit for us moving forward, and I've got some experience with him, and he's going to surprise people, is Drew Locke. Certainly a possibility as well. So, again, I don't want to overstate this. I have found recently that uh, the new thing on the Internet is that when people don't agree with your opinion, they call it a hot take. (laughs) It's not that new. But it always kind of cracks me up. Oh, well, I don't agree. Hot take. You're just a hot take guy. Right? Like we were hot take guys when we talked about the fact that Russell might be traded or anything like that. Oh, yeah. I remember hot that. takes. Hot takes around, right? <clears throat> Just we doesn't matter. We were dramatic. Very dramatic. And I got told the same thing yesterday when I immediately saw this and went, huh, wonder if that means the Gino. Look, the Geno Smith percentage meter, it, it, to me, it's that. It's a meter. It's like the doomsday clock. Like it's constantly in motion and all of the various factors out there can change it at any point. Right. So if yesterday I think I think I was about 50, 55 percent on Gino resigning. This drops it. It doesn't drop it to zero. But yeah, if it's like the doomsday clock always in motion based on external factors. By the way, did you know the doomsday clock is the closest it's ever been to midnight? Yeah, I did see that. I just saw that like a couple weeks ago. Closer now to midnight than at any point during the Cold War, which is crazy to me anyway. No, I get I get what you're saying. This drops it below 50% for me again. Well, if nothing else, I, I've been, um, my confidence, because I told you I was at like a 75% that they were signing. My confidence has come from the fact that all these other quarterbacks have at least been linked somewhere else. They've said, oh, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. in Atlanta, maybe Derek Carr in the Saints. I have not heard Gino even linked somewhere else. 
all the people that were saying, oh, these are the teams that should take a look at Derek Carr, all the analysts, like none of them are even mentioning Gino. It just seems like everyone thinks he's staying here. Now this definitely at least puts a seed of doubt in there that like the Bucks only have Kyle Trask. Of course, Canales might want to bring a guy he had so much. Kyle Trask is a real person? I've never heard of that person. person. All right, if you say so. (laughs) Yeah, no, there there could be some of that. I I don't know whether that's influenced me the same way. I I just, I think that there seems to be this national, almost just uh, preconceived notion that Gino's just going to get done here. And it might be true. Look, I mean, sometimes those guys get it right. Like with the Russell Wilson thing, where we couldn't see the forest for the trees, they could. They were able to look at it and say, no, guys, you're crazy. Russell's not going to be here. There is something going on. So maybe they see it right this time as well. Maybe they understand better than we do that Gino is just going to sign in Seattle. and It's a matter of them working this out. But I'm I'm sort of on the doomsday clock here. And whereas yesterday I was at 55 percent, Gino comes back today. I'm probably back down to 45. Again, it's still close to 50 50. But now you've got another legitimate option out there for Geno Smith. And I'll be curious if some of the national folks pick up on that here over the next few weeks, whether or not there's something that because there's a link, right? They're always looking for links. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for a reason to assume that one player would fit with a new team. Well, now all of a sudden you've got a link. You've got a relationship. His name is Dave Canales. And he's heading off. Andrew at Elma Bay. says, well, you're doing a great job. My fear is getting pretty mongered. Well, I'm not trying to monger fear, <laughs> except on the doomsday clock. On that, we should all be very afraid because yeah. I don't want to go through like nuclear winter. It sounds terrible. Plus, you might grow like a third arm or something. Who you know knows? anyone that's a prepper? A prepper? Well, I mean, yeah, we used to work with one. Uh, he doesn't work here in our building anymore. But yeah, I mean, Todd Herman was a prepper of some sorts. Absolutely. I mean, it might be good to give someone like that a call. Heather and I talked a little bit about some prepping, right? And sort of what we, because we've got like a little bit of stuff in the basement. It's not enough to really survive. But I talked to Todd about like, all right, what do I do if I really want to do it? And he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to dig a hole in your backyard. It's like, yeah, I'm not. I'm (laughs) out. I'm out. That's not going to happen. All right. John Schneider show. The debut episode is today, this afternoon. Wyman and Bob, maybe they'll ask him about the departure of Dave Canales and what it means for Geno Smith. We'll see. He'll be on today and every Thursday at 4 o'clock between now and the first round of the NFL draft. John Schneider today, 4 o'clock with Wyman and Bob. As I said, we've got Robbie Ray. We've got Jerry Depoto. It's GM day here on the station. Plus, if you didn't catch any of Colton Wong yesterday, this was as mature an interview as I think we've ever had with anybody. You're going to want to stick around. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 CLSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the pitchers and the catchers, they have reported. How about that? Good news. Unfortunately, it wasn't the only story to come out of Peoria yesterday. Outfielder Taylor Trammell going to have surgery to repair a broken hammock bone in his right wrist. He was hitting a workout just before spring training because that's going to keep him out a while. Honestly, just based on what I've seen with hammock bones in the past, probably going to impact him even after he eventually returns. So I don't know how much to expect from Trammell this season. In terms of the guys who were left, well, it also clears a path even more so for Jared Kelnick to start as your opening day left fielder. Did I expect him to win that job over Trammell anyway? Yeah, probably. But now all of a sudden his chief left-handed competition is Cade Marlowe, who has no big league experience at all. So should give us a little more time to see Marlowe through the spring. Maybe that's a happy 
you know, result of all this, but certainly a bummer for one of the great guys on this team, Taylor Trammell. Now, Tom Murphy, as we talk about pitchers and catchers, we tend to forget about the catchers. Tom Murphy, even more of the forgotten man, but he's back in action. Joined Wyman and Bob yesterday, said he's feeling pretty good. Yeah, no, I feel 100%. I honestly, like, uh, started swinging around November. That was about five months post-op for me. And, uh, you know, it literally took me one swing to not think about it ever again. So it was like everything felt exactly how it should be going forward throughout the whole progression. There was no issues, no setbacks, no nothing like that. So I couldn't be more confident with where my shoulder is right now. The the surgeon did a great job, and my PTs around me did a great job as well. I mean, that's really good news, and he does strike me as the kind of guy who would take that rehab incredibly seriously. We had a good conversation yesterday with Dave Schoenfeld, uh, who was with ESPN and had said the Mariners' offseason was a B-minus. Interesting to hear him say that if they had signed Castillo later instead of earlier, he would have given it an A. So, you know, I don't know how much stock to put into all that. Uh, but he's a really smart guy, good guess, good baseball guy. And at the very end of this, he throws out kind of an interesting thought. Now, I'm, he's not the first to bring it up, but he's yet another person to bring it up. Look, it's a really tough balancing act for front offices because of all these, you know, $300 million deals that were signed this last offseason. Yeah, they're going to look really good for two, three, four years. The back ends of most of these deals, even an Aaron Judge, you know, how good is he going to be when he's 38, 39 years old, right? And that, so I get not putting yourself in that kind of boat. At the same time, fans aren't too worried about 2035, right, no, or 2032, no. you know. No. So, And let, let's be honest, also, are the Mariners, are they saving up for Shohei? I don't know. You guys would have a better idea on if that is even affordable. Are they? It's certainly affordable if they decide they want it because I think he'll pay for himself in many, many ways. But uh, a year to go. Hopefully the Angels will have another terrible season that looks like now they're going to sign reliever Matt Moore. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, Seahawks quarterback Dave Canales, as we mentioned, is heading to Tampa Bay to become their offensive coordinator. Yes, he was the longest standing member of the Pete Carroll coaching staff, and he's filled a number of different roles over the years for Pete, but could also have an impact on the negotiations with Geno Smith, possibly. Tampa needs a quarterback after Brady retired. Geno's from Florida, presumably has a strong relationship with Canales, who, as Moore pointed out, his Twitter account is essentially just an ode to Geno Smith. So in a league where relationships matter, could that be enough to lure Geno away? Yeah, of course it could. Doesn't mean it's going to, but it absolutely could. At the very least, it's significant leverage for Gino as he's trying to get to his number, which we hear might be around $40 million. Yeah, this is leverage for him, right? Hey, this guy in Tampa might want me. All of a sudden, there's a market. If you want me, you're going to have to bid it up. I, I, It puts me back under 50% on the Gino signing. Not too far under 50%, but maybe just under 50 is try to figure out whether or not there is common ground between Gino Smith and the Seahawks moving forward. Here's the third thing you need to know. Man, it is a rough week to be a remaining member of the Pac-12. The TV rights negotiations are going nowhere fast. The conference is reportedly looking at second-tier replacements like San Diego State and SMU. And then yesterday, Ohio State canceled its home-and-home with UW, set to begin in 2024 here in Seattle. The reasoning, I guess it makes sense. They don't want an additional trip to the West Coast with USC and UCLA, both joining the Big Ten, but... The effect is just another blow to the remaining programs just trying to cling to relevancy here in this conference that's been all but left for dead. Kraken 
finally back home tonight. They'll take on Philly. Sure, it'd be nice to see the power play, I don't know, generate a scoring chance now and again. I know they don't have Burakovsky. I know he's their leading scorer, but sheesh. Like, I don't know. I don't want to see them go backwards when the power play unit comes out. It's basically been like, oh, they're playing pretty well five on five. And then the power play unit comes out and it gets worse. So let's try to not have that happen. Golf Genesis Open starts today, which means Tiger is playing. And oh, by the way, playing with his friends, Rory and JT, Justin Thomas. That is the uh, trio playing together. Uh, I did watch the first two episodes of Full Swing yesterday. They were great. And if you're not a huge golf fan, they might be even better. Seriously, golf fans, there's a lot of like, there was some cool behind the scenes stuff, which I loved, but there was also some like, yeah, I know. I know how this went. I watched it, right? But if you're not a golf fan, some of the drama, you might find it even more entertaining. So good stuff. It's on Netflix. That's everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Uh, Yeah, I watched that. And then some Ginny and Georgia with Heather. Are you watching that more? Are you Ginny and Georgia person? I have not tried that one. G and I watched the first uh, the first season, talked about it quite a bit. And so Heather and I got back for the second season. We've watched the first few episodes. We did one last night. It's pretty good. The kids in it are great. Great acting. What What is it? It's a Netflix show. It's, you know, it, they've, imagine if they took, like, the plot of every show and put it into one. Does that make any sense? It's like a little bit of a mystery and a little bit of Dawson's Creek and a little bit of... Um, I don't know, like, uh, uh, what's that show that Fox is always advertising? The Cleaning Lady. Like, if you took, like, <laughs> all of those shows together plus a few more, you'd get this show. Okay. It's a little bit of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, we're going to be giving Brock some grief later. We're going to do some answer the yeah. question jerk later. That's going to be fun. Uh, I'm curious what Dave Canales does to Brock's doomsday clock because he's the one who brought this up to begin with. So we'll do that coming up here in just over a half hour. But up next, if you didn't catch Colton Wong yesterday, I want to implore you to stick around for a few minutes. So this guy didn't know a lot about him. I will admit my only real memory of Colton Wong was that I was at the 2013 World Series game where he got picked off to end the game. Got picked off to end the game. He was put in as a pinch runner, got picked off. <whistles> Rough, right? It ended a World Series game. If I remember right, the Cardinals got swept. Or no, they didn't get swept, but they lost in six. So it was a it was obviously a, a you know a devastating loss. I did not know the effect it had on him and what his next few years were like and how he crawled out the other side of it. You gotta stick around and listen to him. He's next. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Theme of the day, we uh, wait for Colton Wong. Oh, we have Colton Wong. Oh, how about that? That's kind of exciting. So we have ranked coming up here in 15 minutes. This hour is brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. And it sounds like we've got right now joining us from Peoria, New Mariner second baseman, Colton Wong. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? Sorry about that. That's all right, man. Hey, wife, wife had a doctor's appointment earlier this morning, and I totally forgot. So we were guessing no. that we heard that your wife was uh, what eight months pregnant or so. So we were we were hoping that it wasn't like you know you would rush to the hospital and she was having the baby. Yeah, no. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. I mean, we're a month away, so you know the countdown is definitely on. This is number two. Number two. You prepared for two? Ooh. <sighs> You know, I, I I thought I was prepared for one, and you know that kind of punched me in the face. So I think two is going to be another punch in the face. And you know, hey, 
We'll just keep rolling with them, I guess. <laughs> well, are you prepared to be a Seattle Mariner, man? How does that sound? Colton Wong, a Hawaiian kid, grew up on the West Coast, uh, played a lot on the West Coast in college. Colton Wong, now a Seattle Mariner. Are you prepared for that? That I see that. I think I'm a little more prepared for. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I can't tell you guys how excited I am just to be a part of this organization. Um, seeing what they've been, you know, what they did last year. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, I grew up on the West Coast. Seattle Mariners were definitely a favorite team of mine growing up. So, uh, you know, kind of living living out that childhood dream of, of being on the West Coast to be playing in front of family again and, and be wearing that Mariners jersey across the chest. Uh, you know, definitely super excited for it. When you say playing in front of family, you're you're the son of a coach, right? Your dad was a baseball coach? Yeah. So yeah. so what did, what did he teach you? What, what, what are the most important lessons you learned from your dad? Let's start with on the field. You know, the biggest thing my dad was, you know, being humble and understanding that the game was hard. Uh, you know, he taught me that from a young age, and he always, you know, instituted us being humble and playing the game the right way. And, um, you know, I think it really helped me, you know, when I got to the big leagues and understanding how hard this game really is. You know, you're feeling so much, and, you know, the amount of pressure that you're always having on you as, as a kid, uh, you know, it's good to stay humble, you know, in, in those times when you're succeeding because you understand this game can change really quick and, uh, I've been in the highest of highs and I've been the lowest of lows. So, you know, I think that the lesson at a young age definitely showed me, you know, what I needed to do when I got to the big leagues. Just, you know, keep my head down, continue to grind and understand that, you know, good times are going to happen, but so are the bad times. So it's be ready for both. Tell me about Colton Wong, the high school football player. Ooh, you know, small little guy that just knew that if I, if I just hid well enough behind the lineman, I could eventually, you know, sneak through a hole. <laughs> running back I was a tailback back in high school so okay. you know I, you know in hawaii you have a lot of hawaiian samoan um offensive linemen who you know are pretty much a double my size so it was, it was nice that sometimes when they'd create the holes and you know i would just kind of sneak right through and uh you know couldn't thank those guys enough for just you know saving me and keep me safe i mean those are some big big samoan dudes that i had to go up against and luckily i was able to come out alive i was, I was gonna say i mean they're not just on the offensive line some of them were on the defensive line too right uh, I'll tell you what, if you seen any Samoan guy on the other side with long hair, you run the other way. You know, that was kind of the rule we had. It was like, those guys are going to, they're coming to take your head off, so you better be ready for it. When you play high school sports uh, growing up on the Big Island, do you guys go to the other islands to play? Um, mostly preseason and then uh, during state. That was, that was the two different times where you would really go. Other than that, you kind of just stayed on island and did everything on island. Which, which island has the best athletes? Ooh. I mean, it's hard to really say. I feel like generally they're all pretty good. Oahu is pretty good just because it's more of a city. Right. You know, it's the state capital, and, you know, there's more money on that island, so they definitely have more technology. They have more, um, you know, training facilities for these kids to take that next step. But, I mean, like you've seen, you know, I'm from the Big Island. Uh, Shane Victorino is from Maui. Kurt, you know, Kirby Yates is from Kauai. There's a lot of talent around the islands. You know, but I definitely think on Oahu they do have the benefit of having the more uh, luxury with, you know, the amount of money and people on that island. Colton, how did this come together with you coming back to the West Coast and coming back to Seattle? Did you have any hand in it? Did you have any conversations with your organization about possibilities of where you could end up? Or was it just a, as a, a big a surprise to you as it was the rest of us? Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I had that kind of say. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, this was, this is me sitting back and refreshing Twitter and looking and seeing, you know, what, what was going to happen. I kind of already had the idea that I was going to get traded. Um, you know, talking with the Brewers after they picked up my option, it was kind of starting to point on that, that direction. So I just started to pay attention. And when it got close, you know, just tried to keep in touch with, with 
that side and, and you know just trying to figure out what they're doing because you know obviously it's a business side you know we all know that this game there's always a business and you know it's cool when you're able to kind of keep uh connections with the other team and you know the brewers are amazing and help and keep me in the loop with it especially with my wife being you know so far along with pregnancy and whatnot they they made the transition super easy and you know i thank them for keeping me in arizona for spring training because if i was in florida right now my wife probably would would have my head so you know it's Big thank, big thank you on both sides, I guess. That's cool that it worked out that way. And and we saw some video of you down there, uh, unsurprisingly, working with Perry Hill. I know he was excited to get his hands on you. What's been uh, what's been your initial reaction to Perry Hill? Oh, I love Perry Hill. I, t- I told him the first time uh, I met him, because he used to be in Miami and I was in St. Louis, and I told him I used to always stare over the fence when we were taking ground balls on backfield and, and see the drills he was doing with the guys on that side. Because, I mean, when I first got into the big leagues, he was one of the names. It was like Jose Kendo, who I was fortunate enough to be with when I was in St. Louis, and then it was Perry Hill. You know, those two guys were kind of like the names. And then, obviously, you know, you have Ron Washington and, you know, the other amazing infield coaches around the league. But, you know, those two guys were, were kind of the guys that I heard of just because I was in that Jupiter area. And, uh, excuse me about that. Jeez. So, so, anyways, you know, getting the chance to come down and work with him has been amazing, and I got the opportunity to really see you know, what I was doing wrong. You know, last year I had a very terrible year defensively that I, you know, expected to have a full change. And, you know, with Perry on my side right now, you know, just the past couple of days we've been working together. It's been, I mean, I've taken leaps and bounds compared to what I feel last year confidently and just, you know, very excited to see what me and JP can do. So I got a little 13-year-old aspiring baseball player son, and I, and I watched them practice. You're telling me that a 32-year-old with as much big league experience as you have still learns new tricks when it comes to the fundamentals of fielding? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I tell everybody, you know, the one thing that I, that I take with me is I remember Tiger Woods saying, you know, the day that I stop learning is the day that I'm going to stop playing. And, you know, that was something that I thought was very, very intriguing. I was like, you know, this guy being at the top of the game that he is, he's still constantly trying to figure out ways to get better. He's constantly trying to figure out ways to, to grow his game. And, you know, I want to do the same thing. So I constantly, you know, especially with guys that, I know have track records. Like, I want to pick your brain. I told Perry, I'm going to wear you out this year, man. You know, on, on the field and off the field, asking you questions, having you come out and we take ground balls. You know, if I feel any type of, I guess, you know, weirdness with my infielding, like, I'm going to come to you. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's been cool. These past two days, I think we've taken about six hours worth of, of ground balls already, just talking and taking ground balls. And, you know, these situations, you know, that situation, Perry's got the questions for it, or he's got the answers for it all. And, uh, it's just been fun to get there and pick his brain. That's really cool. And and we've seen certainly the benefits here. I mean, what he's done, when J.P. Crawford arrived, he was known as a great bat who couldn't field. And obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, he's completely changed that that defensive part of his game. And we had heard some of the same stuff reputationally from, from Eugenio Suarez. And after a little time with Perry Hill, he turned himself into a fantastic fielder last year. And Ty France has been a fantastic addition at first base. I mean, it's really his track record is I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in, in baseball. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you look around Diamond, and, you know, there, you cannot be excited. Uh, I think, you know, obviously – just carrying over from last year and seeing what the team did last year. Uh, you know, Frazier's a good friend of mine. So, you know, I know he's a, he's a hell of a player. And, you know, I'm just going to hope to come in and, you know, continue to, to do what I can to make this team go forward. You know, obviously, you know, he's he's a good player. and He's in Baltimore now. And I wish him nothing but the best. But, you know, I think this is this is going to be a good fit for us. I'm excited to be moving in to second base and, and see what I can do to help this team win. You seem a little more chipper than Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like Adam's a pretty laid back kind of guy. Very you know, laid back. He's kind of a kind of yeah. a laid back grumpy Gus kind of like the old salty <laughs> veteran who's got a little something to add about everything. <laughs> hey, no, I hey. mean, I, oh, I'm sorry, Colton. You, I'm looking at your track no, record no. here. I'll let you avoid that question. Okay, <laughs> Adam's a good Adam's a good guy. Different different guy. I'm looking at a track record here. You played one game in Houston. You played two in Oakland. Yep. You played three in Anaheim. And by baseball references count, you've played five games in T-Mobile Park here in Seattle. What do you yeah. What do you know of this division? What do you know of this park that you're going to find a way to hit in every single day? <laughs> I mean, I think the numbers kind of explain itself. You know, I, I have really not experienced the AL West very much. You know, I've obviously played in, in every stadium, but it's been very sporadic. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to kind of get to a new division. I've been in the Central my whole career, and, you know, it's been fun. And uh, Getting to know that that whole division has been fun. But, you know, that's, that's the one thing I'm excited about coming into the AL is, you know, there's not really going to be that much of a book on me on this side that there is in the NL, you know. So, obviously, I don't know a lot of the pitchers over here, but they don't know me. So, I think it's going to be fun to kind of come in and, and see a different side of it. You know, I'm not – going to guarantee anything and all the only thing i'm going to guarantee is you're going to get a guy out there every single day playing as hard as he possibly can and doing whatever he can to help this team win you were a rookie playing in the world series right in st louis yep and that was you got called up if i remember what right just as the playoffs were starting or right before the playoffs so it was almost yeah. your first experience and I, you know it's kind of i was there I, re, I was at that world series and i remember watching it if i'm not mistaken you're one for one in the world series is that right <laughs> yeah, one for one. Got one hit and then was on top of the hill that night yeah. and on the bottom of the hill the next. I know. It was, yeah, for those that don't know, his his story goes unfortunately downhill, picked off to end the uh, to end the game in the World Series. But I was thinking about that as you were talking about the ups and downs and, and what your dad taught you. And there are some young guys on this team and, and some of whom didn't necessarily get to experience some of those hard moments when they were younger, when they were coming up. And we've talked a lot about Jared Kelnick and how little he failed on his way up. He was just this incredible prospect. And the challenges that he's had in his first couple of years as well is that a conversation that you're comfortable with whether it's having it with us or having it with some of those young guys and how to deal with some of those ups and downs of the game yeah you know definitely i i think that's that's something that i struggled with when i was going through my struggle you know i didn't really have somebody to lean on to to talk to and uh, it was also that time um back then where you know it really wasn't the manly thing to come out and speak about you know Mm -hmm. so i I think now we kind of have made a big transition in life and understand that, you know, it's, it's okay to talk about feelings and, and stresses and things that happen. So, you know, I'm always open for it. I think, you know, if these guys want to come to me, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, the guy that's going to go over there and, and give them a shoulder to cry on. Like, but if you want to, if you want me to give you some kind of insight of how I dealt with it and, and things that might help you, I mean, I can definitely help. You know, I feel like after getting picked off, I was lost for, you know, for a few years. I mean, that was, that was just a tough year for me, period. Not just the pickoff, but I was losing my mom too at the same time. So, you know, there's a lot that I learned, wow. you know, going when I, when I went through all those struggles. And um, I think that's something that, you know, I can help them not even through baseball, maybe even through life. You know, there's always struggles in life. And, you know, maybe something that I can say might help him click and, you know, it can transfer into baseball. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, he's he's doing it, you know, the way he knows how, you know, the struggle is going to happen regardless of, of, you know, what part of your career you're in. Once you get to the big leagues, I feel like <laughs> once you're here, you're going to taste defeat you're gonna you're gonna get you know punched in the mouth a few times and it's gonna be you know not grateful not graceful but at the end of the day you just understand that's 
where you learn. That's where you build yourself into the character, to the person you want to be down the line. And um, through those trials, you know, you come out stronger. And, you know, I think that's just the one thing he's going to learn is, you know, this is, this is a game at the end of the day. This is in life. So if you can t- take these things and put it towards, you know, life, you understand that, man, this isn't that big of a deal. You know, let me just slow my th- slow everything down, mm. get back to the basics, you know, understand that I can play this game just like anybody else. And I think he'll be fine. You know, that's just, that's just the, I guess the progression is through baseball. You know, I, I was kind of the same way. I didn't struggle in the minor leagues. I didn't really struggle coming up, you know, got to the big leagues, got picked off. And then from there on, there on, it was just an uphill battle, you know, trying to get through the, the pickoff. And then after I got that, trying to stick in the big leagues and, you know, after that, you know, you're just constantly trying to figure out a way to get another year and another year. You know, so so I think he's going to learn, man. You know, it, I feel like it's always good to start from the bottom and work your way up, and it is from being on the top and having to stay up there. You know, I feel like you, you tend to lose your path. So, you know, I think Jared's in a good spot. I'm excited to see how he's going to do this year. And, you know, like I said, if he's ever going to need anything that anybody to talk to or any kind of advice, I'm always here. You know, I feel like, you know, I've, I've earned my stripes in this game, and, you know, now I just want to continue to give back and help these guys uh, succeed any way I can. Well, if you do end up out of the game at some point, I don't know if you're interested in a career in radio, but certainly <laughs> certainly, you've got the insight for it. I mean, what an incredible answer, and my apologies. I didn't realize that it led to, to a prolonged struggle for you after that. I remembered the moment, but, you know, wasn't following necessarily the, the Cardinals at that point. What got yeah. you out of it? How, how did you how did you pull out of that and, and become the player you are now? Did someone help? Was it internal? What happened? Yeah, you know, I think it was a few years after. Um, I was still kind of going up and down in the big leagues and struggling and whatnot, and um, kind of just looked myself in the mirror one day and was like, you know what, man? Like I've, I mean, I I've hit rock bottom. You know, I got picked off in the World Series when I first got called up, and then literally two months later, I lost my mom. Like nothing can be worse. You know, so it was kind of from then on, I think 15, 16 was when I started really like, you know, kind of catching my, my feet a little bit. And then 17 started getting going. And then finally that was that 17 off season was when I told myself that, you know, this is it, man. Like, you know, no more feeling sorry. Understand that everyone in life has to struggle. You know, we just got to grow from it. Understand that that's just part of life and we're going to, we're going to figure it out. So, you know, it, it was it was a struggle for me that I didn't have anybody to talk to, but I feel like, you know, through that struggle, I was able to figure out who I was, uh, who Colton Wong was and, you know, help me just to know who I am as a person. And, and that, you know, through any kind of tough situation, I can beat it. And, uh, you know, so I take my trials, you know, and I put them on my sleeve because I feel like that's something that, you know, I'm proud of, you know, I went through, through the, the tough times and I came out stronger. Wow. Colton, well, I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell you this, Colton. Okay. I, I, and Salk and I are like you I and mean, we don't go telling people, you know, things, but if you come to us with questions, we've got answers and you got a lot of resources with the Mariners, but I'm telling you this flat out right now, point blank. When it comes to Hawaiian barbecue, Seattle mm. over St. Louis in Milwaukee times a thousand. Yeah. So if you got any questions, we you gotta know? get you up to Hawaii barbecue on the Ave. Oh. Which, have you heard of this yet? Have you heard oh. of Hawaii barbecue on the on the Ave in the U District? Oh, 
I have not, but I promise you I'm going to be there. Well, it is the most confusing menu you'll ever see. It, it has, they all have numbers, but they're in no order. It's like there's the number 15, the number 22, the number 2, the number 9. But there's no order, and there's most of the numbers are missing. So, But, but they're all tremendous. They're pretty Whatever good. it is. That's it's amazing. pretty darn good. Whatever you want. So. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. It was great to get to meet you. Uh, good luck over the course of the next month and for your wife as well. And we'll look forward to meeting you when we're down there in a couple weeks. I appreciate it, man. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks okay. again, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in Seattle. So, yeah, some some controversy yesterday. We were told yesterday that Hawaii barbecue is closed, and though I look at uh, I looked on Yelp, and it just says it's going to open at eleven o'clock today. So I don't know what's going on there. I, I really hope that it's still open. That would be a, a devastating loss if it had closed permanently. <laughs> but uh, it says it opens at eleven. Have to uh, I'll have to I'll have to swing by. Someone later. just texted in that it is closing. Closing. Ah, oh, man. Awful. Love that place. They've moved one, so maybe they're Hopefully just moving again. Colton will get there before. I know, yeah. Otherwise, he'll feel like I really lied to him and let him down. <laughs> uh, did you guys enjoy that? I really did. I liked that a lot. Uh, he is obviously a really impressive dude, and just the way he carries himself and, and his thoughtfulness and maturity on his situation, as I, I mentioned earlier, Look, I was there. I remember him getting picked off. I didn't know what it had led to. I didn't know his mother died soon afterwards. I didn't know that it led to a couple of years that it took him to come out of, you know, trying to deal with something like that. You know, we tend not to think about athletes that way, right? We tend to think of them just sort of moving on, not being stuck by this one moment. But, you know, I'll tell you the story. This is one of my strangest and I promise you true stories of my life. I've probably mentioned it before, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it quickly. Years ago... Uh, you may know that in sometime in the 70s, I forget exactly the, the dates on this because it's before I was born, the Bruins and Canadians, the Bruins could never get past the Canadians. Year after year, they would lose to them in the series or whatever, and they finally had an opportunity to beat them, and with a couple minutes left in the game, they were called for too many men on the ice. Canadians scored, won it in overtime. That was it, okay? And it's this very famous too many men on the ice penalty. It was just brutal. It was awful. In Boston, it's almost the equivalent to my dad of, like, the ball going through Buckner's legs. Like, it's that kind of a moment, okay? That's sort of a choke job. And, I don't know, a few years after that, my dad gets on a plane, and he sits next to a guy named Brad Park, who was, I think, the captain of that team. If not, he was one of the better players on that team. And he, you know, after a while, finally said to him, hey, you know, I'm a huge fan, this and that. He says, I'm sorry, I just got to ask you, you know, who... Who was it? Who screwed it up? And he said, ah, it was so-and-so. You know, it stunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, my dad's told this story forever because, like, the only time he's ever been around a famous person or something, right? He saw Brad Park on a plane and talked to him. Anyway, years later, 2007, I'm flying home uh, from Cleveland after the Red Sox and Indians ALCS. And I'm sitting next to this kid around my age. And we start talking. He's a really nice guy. What do you do? I'm in sports radio. Oh, we start talking. He goes, oh, yeah. Actually, my dad played professional hockey. I'm like, oh, what's his name? Brad Park. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. But 30 years ago, your dad and my dad were sitting on a plane next to each other talking. And my dad asked him about this thing. He's like, he's like I tell you what, you don't know the rest of that story. My dad was in legitimate depression after that moment. For like over a year, he would barely come out of his room, this and that. He's telling me this whole story of just how much that one moment affected his dad, who was not responsible even for it. It wasn't his fault. He's not the guy who who came over the bench early. 
and it was somebody else. But just even being in it, just being in that moment took him essentially into what we might now call depression. So, yeah, thinking about Colton Wong on baseball's biggest stage as a rookie pinch runner getting picked off, what that does to your confidence level, I'm sure it was brutal. And so to hear him kind of talk through what that really meant and how hard it was, I uh, I think that's pretty cool and good for him. And it just makes me root for him all that much more. And I, I hope he uh, has continued success, obviously, here in Seattle, where they really need him to. That and the Perry Hill stuff is great, isn't it? When you hear just the, what this, I can't, I, that's something I'm going to ask uh, Jerry DePoto about today. I don't think we've ever really talked to Jerry DePoto about Perry Hill. How did I get this guy? Like what was what's the story behind bringing in the defensive secret weapon? Like to hear Colton Long say when I was training him, I, I told Perry Hill that I was watching him from over the fence when I was training in Miami because he knew about him. Right, like, like peeking over to the fence. Out what's yeah? What's this guy doing? What's his secret? Well, good. I mean, honestly, it's really it's it's great news, and I'm and I'm excited about uh, Colton Wong even more so than I was before yesterday. And uh, we'll ask Jerry a little bit more about that and about Perry Hill. Uh, if you got a few minutes and you're excited about baseball season, I did write about the Mariners uh, last night. It's up this morning at SeattleSports.com. Talk a little bit about the pitching staff, and I used some very suspect math to prove that the Mariners are going to win 95 games this year. 95 wins for the Mariners. I proved it. Using a theorem, sort of. But you can go read it, seattlesports.com. All right, coming up next, I mentioned that there is a big story out today that might mean nothing or it might mean the end of Geno Smith in Seattle. I don't know. It's one or the other. It's either nothing or it's Geno taking a walk. We'll tell you what the story is. Get Brock's opinion on it next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.